Welcome to Keep Showing Up, the podcast about engaging in life and good ways to think in order to create the life of your own design. Have you ever made a choice that didn't work out because it just didn't feel right? Maybe it felt weird? That happens from time to time, but sometimes that weird feeling is cognitive dissonance. The short story is that changing, even for the better, can feel weird. If you don't feel weird, you're not growing. Listen in as we explore cognitive dissonance and help you learn to get your weird on. Let's get started. Next episode, episode four. When things get different, you feel weird. So get your weird on. That's the idea. Just got done talking in our last episode about changing your mind to change your life. A lot of that conversation focused around that emotion, that feeling about it, and how you subconsciously respond to data with an emotion. It just happens. And one of those emotions that happens when things are changing, it's called dissonance, cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is simple. It's when you when the picture outside doesn't match the picture inside. You can't hold two pictures of reality in your mind at the same time, so you feel away. It feels weird. You're not really angry. You're not really sad. Just feel things just don't feel right. That's a good way of people say. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. The bottom line to that is it's just you're trying to process two ideas at the same time, and so your body says that's weird. And a way to think about that is we're essentially the same human beings we were 50,000 years ago when we were wandering the savannas. And if you were the caveman, the the young human, it's like, hey, there's a rustling in the weeds. I bet that's good for me. I'm going to go check it out and it's a saber-toothed tiger, you get eaten, you don't have any children. If you're the caveman who says, there's a rustling in the weeds, I'm sure there's something wrong with that. I'm not going to go over there. I'm going to stay where I'm at, and I survive. So that evolutionary concept has instilled in us this bias to not change. A way to think about it, too, is everything I've done up to this point has made me alive. If I do something different, I'm sure I'm going to die. I have no evidence to show that this other thing is going to save me. I have plenty of evidence to show what I've done works because I'm alive. So you have this natural emotional response to change of like, no, I don't want to. I might die. A saber-toothed tiger is going to kill me. I know it. When was the last time you saw a saber-toothed tiger? Metaphorical kind or the literal kind? Well, the literal kind is never, right, Ed? Yes. But the metaphorical (laughs) kind probably saw one five minutes ago. I know there's one out there. I just know there is. And that's part of that whole value point of view of, well, it doesn't really feel like changing my mind because it's how I feel. Let's dig into this. Who cares? So what, what difference does it make? Why should we even care about feeling weird, cognitive dissonance, and what to do about it? For me, the cognitive dissonance is what traps me. So it stops me. I can work through everything else and then... And I don't know what the, because I've made lots of changes throughout my life, so I don't know at what point I get where it's no longer dissonant. Uh, you know, I don't know what where I finally turn the corner, but obviously I do, because I've changed my life in so many ways. So I don't know, I, I don't know that I know how to actively change the cognitive dissonance, but it's a real thing. And usually I just, I think I just end up waiting it out. Good strategy. Because it's kind of like, well, that wrestling in the, it might be a saber-toothed tiger, it might not be. So I'll just wait until somebody else either figures it out or the wrestling stops or, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. 
So for me, I think I want to know more about what, cog I, I know exactly what cognitive dissonance is, but I want to learn more about how to actually manage it. But I, And I don't know if managing it is just, I'm learning to be more comfortable with it. I'm learning not to make decisions based on my cognitive dissonance. So I don't know if that's... Great step one. Okay. Extraordinary great step one. Don't make decisions based on your cognitive dissonance. Just because it feels weird doesn't mean it's weird. Oh, I just, it just, I just, just didn't feel right. Okay. You ha you are high in openness. That's a good strategy. At least if you're open, you're willing to say, I'm going to pay attention. Maybe somebody else will figure it out. Or I'll be back here from a safe place, but I'm open enough to keep my eyes open on this thing because this might work out for me. Right. That's a good thing to do. Now, if you're high in, or if you're low in openness and you're pretty closed off, you value security that can still that keeps you safe right that's still valuable evolutionary speaking is safety because if we were all open all it takes is one big disaster and we're all dead if somebody's at least closed enough to be stay back and be safe humans go on so that's okay i mean we're all wired differently for reasons and no you don't know when the cognitive distance goes away until you realize that the cognitive distance has gone away you just don't know there's no line in the sand it just mm -hmm. is and then it's not and it's gradual and it's a spectrum and you never really know until you realize that it's gone good strategies and we'll talk more about your those other strategies on how we can sharpen that up if you want to justice ed what are your thoughts on feeling weird cognitive dissonance for me an, an example i have is public speaking when i was younger in high school even things like that that was a big deal for me. then going into college i declared my major as organizational communication and one of the big parts of that were class assignments, things like that were public speaking uh, type engagements. I can remember thinking that I have a decision to make. I can either get over it and challenge myself and move past that or I'm always going to have this you know, fear of public speaking, this dissonance uh, about that. And so for me it was just a matter of challenging myself, knowing that I have those thoughts and moving past those. I guess really it was just getting my weird on being okay with looking like a fool in front of a class being okay with things not going exactly how i wanted them to and being aware that it probably is worse in my own mind than it would be in the public eye the people i'm pre presenting in front of anyway for me getting through that working through that dissonance it was just a matter of time challenging myself being okay with that dissonance and moving through it Right, being okay with the dissonance. And what you used, you gave a good example of using thinking to create a structure for you to respond to your emotions. You had some great thoughts. Number one is, to other people, it's not going to look nearly as messed up as it does to you. And when you realize that, it's like, okay, that's like step one in saying there are no saber-toothed tigers in this room. Right, because that's, yeah, because the fear is what is the saber-toothed tiger that you think it is. You yes. think if you stand on stage and you get embarrassed, you're going to literally die. Yes, absolutely. Right. Literally die. That's. And then you face it, and it's like, oh, there aren't any saber-toothed tigers. Right. And it helps if you use your thinking to build a framework ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, things like people talk, do public speaking all the time, and they're still alive. So I have plenty of data to show that I won't die from embarrassment because doesn't seem to happen all other kinds of thinking you do to build this like okay and then so that way you know I've done all this other thinking ahead of time so I know I'm going to feel weird 
I've done the thinking to know it's not a saber-toothed tiger, so now I'm just going to feel weird. And that's also, Val, something you mentioned just a few minutes ago, is just feeling weird. Your openness is like, okay, I feel a little weird, but I have reasons to expect that this could turn out. So Ed, kind of chime in here on cognitive dissonance, feeling weird. Well, through my life, I've felt that many many times. Sort of in the same line as justice in the public speaking. I used to do theater when I was in high school. Those first few rehearsals, it just was really uncomfortable for me to be up there and know, okay, everyone is focusing on me right at this moment. So if I screw up, I'm going to feel like the biggest idiot in the world. That would hold me back. And it was the same when I started my radio show in college, that if I start thinking too much about how I'm being perceived, it helped me back from opening up to just being myself. And I learned through practice and through making the decision, you can't let that be at the forefront. Just let it go. Just be yourself. Just don't care what the reaction is going to be. That made my performances on stage and on the radio just blossom. That was when I was at my best and would get terrific feedback of how comfortable I appeared or sounded to people. At first, it would really amaze me because I'm like, God, I did not really feel comfortable at all to begin with. But once I stopped worrying about it, then that fear just disappeared, just was gone. So if you focus too much on how other people might perceive you or when you're doing your public speaking, things like that, then it's going to hold you back. And if you just let it go, try to let your personality or your gifts, whatever you might have, just be open and not to put your thought into it, then things go much smoother. Great point. Indeed. Be yourself. Tell you what, that's the number one, it really is the number one way to manage your dissonance is to be yourself. It's kind of weird. Well, if I'm myself, but I'm changing, how am I still myself, but I'm changing? That's kind of weird. Sure, but know that at whatever age you are, whether you are 3, 30, or 90, you've managed some kind of change in your life, and you're still doing it. So know that who you are is still a capable person of being human. If you're capable of being human, you're capable of being an extraordinary human. So being yourself is good. You're the best you that will ever be great strategy so be yourself with an open mind and then create a construct of safe thinking to manage that that dissonance so why is managing our dissonance important anyway what's it get us i think one thing that it gets us is opportunity with not managing that dissonance you're you're really holding yourself back and i think that if you're always afraid of what might happen whether that's failing in front of an audience or whether that's getting attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, you're never going to know. So managing that dissonance and knowing why you think that might may happen or why you feel that way, and you're really opening yourself up to different opportunities and to different things. And I think one thing that I keep thinking about, because the examples that we've used, and especially with the saber-toothed tiger example, we're focusing on the emotion of fear. But cognitive dissonance doesn't always feel like fear. I learned to deal with fear similar to like Ed's story, like... You know, I was always very shy, and if I wanted to become a teacher, I was going to have to get comfortable talking in front of people, all that stuff. And so, you know, I started training myself, fear is a lie. I didn't know the saber-toothed tiger thing, you know, this is years ago. Sometimes my cognitive dissonance 
is not even a feeling of fear because I've known, I, I know how to work through that one. Sometimes my cognitive dissonance is I don't even know what I feel or what I'm supposed to feel or does that kind of make sense at all? Perfect sense. Absolutely. Perfect sense. Your subconscious mind is a very crafty construct. Mm -hmm. And once you defeated fear, your subconscious mind's like, oh no, she's got me beat on fear. I got to do something else. And as you shared earlier, your emotional first, another great way for your subconscious mind to stop you from changing is to confuse your emotions. Mm -hmm. Throw up the idea in your mind that I don't know how I feel. And if you're emotionally responsive first, and you question your emotions, you're stuck. You're stopped. Mm -hmm. You're not a bad person, and you're not wrong. It's your subconscious mind using the ways to keep you from changing because your subconscious mind knows if you change, you'll die. Absolutely. So that's why it often comes out as fear first. Mm -hmm. But like you've said, if you've worked on fear, mm -hmm. cognitive distance now has to come out as something else. And like, I think of relationships a lot of times. The cognitive dissonance that, like... When I was younger, thinking that I had to work really hard to make people love me. And if I wasn't working really hard at a relationship, then that meant it wasn't a healthy relationship. The dissonance is in the thinking, which is cognitive dissonance. Good point. Well, good point. Good point. Good point. So that's a great example of how cognitive dissonance gets in the way of making your life better or the way you want it to be. Right. You had the belief that you had to work hard at a relationship. The idea of it being easy and smooth and flowing, that makes no sense. I don't know how I feel about that. Right. You can't picture it. That way you can hold on to your reality of working hard at relationships because that was easy enough for you to find, mm -hmm. a relationship you had to work hard at. Mm -hmm. If you try to go to an easy relationship, since it went against your belief system, your brain says, oh, no, that's not going to work. That's too much change. So now feel a certain way to keep you from doing it. So cognitive distance, it's important to know about this and feeling weird is because if you stay the way you are, you get stuck. You can be stuck if you want to. I'm not here to tell you what to do. My experience shows that stuck isn't good. People stay in situations, a bad work environment, because that, you know, I've become an expert at walking away from unhealthy work environments. Um, but sometimes we stay because the, the, the abuse is more comfortable than the unknown. Yeah, better the devil that I know. We'd rather have the discomfort that we know than the cognitive dissonance right. that causes a di Okay. You got it. Better the pain that I know than the certain pain of death. Mm -hmm. But it's not a certain pain of death because it's just the pain I know. That's a real thing. That's normal. That's human. So, Ed, Justice, give us another example or some ways of thinking for the folks listening on getting past cognitive distance to grow in life. And what does that mean from your points of view? I know justice, we, we work in an industry where there's a lot of cognitive dissonance from our students because they have an expectation much like Ed did of school being tough and difficult. And I can't when justice and I know from day to day to day that dude really cognitively, it's not as hard as you think it is all about managing habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations. And as a human being who can function enough, you've got the skills it takes. It's just your cognitive dissonance tells you some stuff that's crazy. I think a lot of people confuse cognitive dissonance with reality. And what I mean by that is I know working with students and I know watching what you and Justice working with students, it's 
a lot of people are not metacognitive. They, they don't know that they're feeling a way because they don't even believe that they should be in that situation because nobody in their family ever went to college or that they can embrace the fact that, oh, I'm going to be the first one in my family to graduate from college. And then three weeks before graduation, some bizarre thing happens and, well, see, it just wasn't meant to be and they just quit. And I don't think people realize that that's cognitive dissonance, that when, when you almost get to a goal and you want to quit, it's because you can't really picture what happens after that. But I don't think most people are aware of that's what's happening. That I that's agree. what's holding them back. I agree with you. Absolutely. Because l- l- take another level. If you're the first person to graduate from college in your family, you just killed your family when you graduate from college. I graduated from college. The rest of my family hasn't. Oh, my gosh. I don't have a family anymore. I'm different. I don't fit in. I don't belong. I've done something else. Mm-hmm. That's not who we are. We don't do that. So to graduate from college without taking the time to prepare your thinking and your emotional structure to say graduating from college is good because whatever, dot, 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 fill in the blank. Flip side too, some folks graduate from college because their family is a bunch of jerk faces. And they want to be the first person to graduate from their family so they can distance themselves from their family, literally. So great points on how cognitive distance kind of gets us at the last minute when we're not prepared because we don't, like just said, no metacognition. We're not thinking about our thinking. It'll stop you from building a life. So I guess what I'm, what I want, Justice and Ed, what I'm kind of wanting to hear from you on that is, we are vo- we are four incredibly metacognitive people. We have very self-aware, very aware of our thinking and thinking about our thinking and all of that. How do how do you think we can help other people become more metacognitive so that they recognize when they're feeling cognitive dissonance? And I don't, I don't really know the, the answer to that, but kind of my thought on it is for, for people out there that are experiencing it and don't know how to handle it, is just take a look around. You're not the first to experience whatever you're experiencing more than likely. Maybe the first that you know, but probably not. You know, take a look around at the people that, are, you know, that surround you, talk to them. And I think that, that can make, that can be a big first step into understanding why it is why you feel the way you feel because you're not alone and sometimes if you don't if you're not spending time thinking about your thinking talking to someone else about your thinking can be i think a a good first step in that i think that's good i agree right so model the behavior too Mm -hmm. tell talk to other people about your thinking so ed and i grew up with a father that encouraged us to think about our thinking and he talked about his thinking and he asked us about our thinking a lot children we would do childish things as they say in the south he would get on to us but also he would ask us truth truly wanting to know what were you thinking not in the typical adult to child what were you thinking and then telling us what we were thinking it was what were you thinking and wanting to know so we, that was modeled to us on the value of knowing what you're thinking. From what I know about Justice, too, when he just offered, it's be that person. Be the person that talks about your thinking. So good question, Val, asking. But be the person that talks about her thinking. As you're listening, you're listening for a reason. Chances are, if you're listening to us, you think about your thinking at least somewhat. Think about your thinking. Talk to other people about your thinking. Ask them about their thinking. I would recommend 
putting judgment down, creating a JFC, a judgment-free zone, because you're human and you're going to have some messed up thinking from time to time because you're human. You just are. Be human. Think about your thinking. Ask about thinking. Mm-hmm. Model that behavior. Talk about your thinking. It's a great way to manage cognitive dissonance. One strategy. Right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ed. I was going to just say, I think Justice really hit a, a really key point when he's saying, why do you feel the way you feel? Did someone else put that expectation in your head? Was that modeled to you by some authority figure or someone you look up to? Why, why do you feel the way you feel about something? Is it your own choice or is it something someone else put in your head? And that, that's a real important thing to think about because just because someone you admire or look up to feels a certain way and you feel maybe that feeling a certain way or thinking a different way would be disrespectful to them, that's not necessarily true. You'd be able to think and feel for yourself based on your own reasons, not anyone else's, no matter who they are. Yeah, and that's that actually builds perfectly what I was saying when I almost interrupted you. Um, the strategy that I used to teach my students is the three whys deep. You know, you ask yourself why at least three times. By the time you get to that third why, you have a pretty good idea about what it is you're really thinking and feeling about it. Like, well, I don't want to go to college. Why don't you want to go to college? Well, because I don't want to do the work. Why don't you want to do the work? Well, because I want to play video games. Well, why do you want to play video games? Well, because I like sitting on the couch. Okay, let's go three wise deep. Why do you like sitting on the couch? You know, and that sort of thing. And just keep digging in and digging in until they get to the to the real thinking, which is sometimes surprising even even to them, to the person. Yeah. Yes. So yes, right. Sometimes you don't even. You just just like well, I don't know. Okay, that's probably something you should figure out. Mm-hmm. Or not. And the reason I like this topic and the reason I connected all these together or suggest that we connect all these together is if you're listening to us, you want something to be different. You keep showing up in our cognitive distance. If we say it just doesn't feel right, that keeps us from showing up. And clearly our point of view on the showing up is if you're not showing up, stuff's not happening. Your life's not building. You're not living. You're just existing. When you start showing up, you're going to get good at showing up in one place and it's going to get comfortable, which means you might need to be showing up somewhere else to grow in life and have things happen to create the life that you want. And when you decide to go someplace else, it's not going to feel right sometimes. You'd be like, it just doesn't feel right. You're human. Sometimes it doesn't feel right for a reason. There's, there really is intuition and intuition is a useful thing, right? Of course. However, if you have a vision of doing something different, Manage the way you think. Create some thinking about your thinking ahead of time. Choose some of the emotions you want to experience. Ask yourself, why do I feel that way? Is is my dissonance coming across as fear? Is my dissonance coming across as something else? And, and sometimes you can stare down your dissonance and say, I'm just not ready to change. I'm not choosing to deal with it right now. That's a fair choice. I make that choice regularly. It's like, okay. I'm, I, I'm okay. This doesn't feel right. Oh, nope. That's cognitive dissonance. I know how to deal with this. I'm just not going to today because I don't want to. That happens. And so what I encourage people to do is if you're not feeling weird, you're not growing. So get your weird on. Get out there and get weird. It's fun. You'll get used to it. And then you'll do things like rock climbing, which is fun. That's helped us manage dissonance too. It's like, it's not normal 
to even 30 feet is not that high compared to what some folks do outside. But still, your brain's like, this is not normal. We don't do this. We do not hang from a rope in a harness this high. It's no. A lot of developing our climbing skill is mental. It's coming, overcoming the cognitive dissonance of your brain saying, no, that's not right. It's like, well, brain, I know I have a lot of evidence to show I'm connected to a rope and a harness. And I'm not going to fall. You just think you're going to fall. Any other thoughts as we wrap up this one? Get your weird on. I'm for me. All right. To kind of cover the ground we've covered so far in four episodes, keep showing up, be in it to win it kind of thing, be in your life, uh, challenge authority. So that kind of goes back to what Ed was offering on cognitive dissonance. Where did you get that idea in the first place? Did it come from some kind of authority? Go back to that and say, that might have worked for them, but does that work for me? Use that challenge of authority for this is why. Change your mind to change your life. It's your thinking that creates your life. Get in there and think about your thinking. Start managing your thinking. Decide what you're thinking. Find some room in between your emotional response and your behavior to think. And then as we build on all those things, what happens is on a subconscious level, your cognitive dissonance doesn't want you to change, so it throws in some roadblocks. It's going to happen. Just know that as a human and you're showing up. You're going to feel weird. I recommend that you take a look at feeling weird and saying, that's cool. That's a good sign. If I'm feeling weird, that means I'm growing and things are happening. All right, listeners. All right, panel. It was a great time. I enjoyed it. So we'll get this one out to you, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you're able to get something from this episode that you can implement right away. We'd love to hear from you. Check out the show notes for our contact info. Have a great week, and keep showing up.